try to avoid questioning by running away, you ought to shoot. Oh, how dreadful. What is it, Carol? A small boy was killed last night in the park near Denham Lane. It seems that the body of the child was horribly mangled. Carol, please! We can't be married, Barry. Ever. I think I understand. You're not going to let me in for the curse of the Allenbys and all that sort of thing. What happened, sir? Oh, she's done me in. She's Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema, the Universal Monster Series. I'm your host Jimbo, and today I'm joined once again by my father, Mr. Art Toast. Art Toast. We are live. Well, not by the time you hear this, we won't be live, but we are in the dark tomb of Art Toast uh, at his house recording tonight. Um, We actually started probably an hour ago, but we are just now getting to actually hitting the record uh, for the official start of this. I can't get him to quit laughing. Uh, mm. if, if you had to look at you too, you had to stop, good, stop laughing either. I'm on um, my best behavior. So we were tossing around uh, some movies to do, maybe some lesser known Universal Monster movies, since we've covered a lot of the main uh, monsters in this series. So we decided on this doozy, the She-Wolf of London <laughs> Now, before we get started on this movie, uh, Dad. Yes. Let me ask you a question. I'm not Kyle. <laughs> yes, you're not. <laughs> do you think that this movie, without giving anything away yet, do you think that this movie deserves to be considered one of the Universal Monster movies? 
without no. giving anything away yet. No. And I'll explain later. Okay. I, I don't think so either. I think they just try to play off the name and we'll go from there. But uh, you'll find out why here shortly. So it's not a very long movie. It's only about, what, 61 minutes, I think, a little about an hour. Um, and we're just an hour trying to get started. <laughs> yeah, we've already watched the movie twice just sitting here. So, Dad, go ahead and take it away. The She-Wolf of London almost came out the year you were born, 1946. Oh, wait, 10 years later. <laughs> 10 years later. She-Wolf of London. Uh, release date, May 17th, 1946. Uh, the synopsis of this is uh, young Harris. Harris. I said Harris. <laughs> Harris finds evidence suggesting that at night she acts under the influence of a family curse and has begun committing ghastly murders in a nearby park. Ghastly. What did I say? Ghastly. <laughs> um, yeah, this has... Man, we'll, we'll get there. I just... I can't start right now. We'll never get through this. Okay. I'll save it for my... You just you just sit back for a minute. Uh, we did, could not find any uh, what budget... Or uh, how much it made, uh, so it wasn't readily available to us. So, Dad, why don't you go ahead and take away the cast real quick? All right, the cast is Don uh, Porter was uh, was played by Barry Linfield. He was uh, also who? No, Barry Linfield was played by Don Porter. <laughs> right, I said it backwards. He also was in the 1947 movie Night Monster. Did you ever see it? Nothing I know of. It don't read, ring a bell. Ring no bell. Um, June Lockhart played Phyllis Ellenby. She was in the 1965 series of Lost in Space. If you go back a little bit, uh, she played on uh, Lassie, the old Lassie show, TV series. Was she the mom? She was the mom. She was the mom in Lost in Space, too. She was a mother actor. <laughs> Do you put her up there with Mrs. Cleaver as one of the best moms of all time? No. I don't recall June Lockhart wearing pearls <laughs> around the house. But, um, um, Sarah Haddon played Martha Winthrop. She was the in a 1940 movie, The Shop Around the Corner. And uh, Jan Wiley played Carol Winthrop. Uh, she played in A Fig Leaf for Eve in 1944. Lloyd uh, Corrigan played Detective Lantham. He was in a 1963 movie. I remember seeing this a long, long time ago. It's a mad, 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 mad world. It's got a lot of stars in and it. And I think it was remade, too. Have you ever seen that? No. Not the original. Mm. Uh Dennis Holloway played Inspector Pierce. He was in 1946, Terror by Night. Uh, Martin Koslick played Dwight Servin. He was in 1966, Agent for H-A-R-M, or Harm. I never heard of that. <clears throat> Martin Koslick played D- uh, Dwight Servin. That's the one I just did. <laughs> Ellie Malin played... <laughs> Played uh, Hannah, and she was in 1959, The Little Princess. Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple. Uh, Frederick Warlock played Constable Ernie Hobbs. 
he was in 1961, 101 Dalmatians. The cartoon? The cartoon. Are you sure? <clears throat> yep. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> uh, James uh, Fentlison played Constable Hobbs, and he was in the 1937 movie, Way Out West. And then we got a bunch of uncredited ones here. Uh, Olaf uh, Highton, Constable Alfred, uh, Warren Jackson. He was just a constable. Warm H. O'Brien, he was a constable. Brick Sullivan, constable. Uh, David Thursby, Constable Hubert. And then Joan Wells as Phyllis as a child. And these are all <clears throat> uncredited. All right. Um, so moving on, uh, it did win one award. Unfortunately, it wasn't nothing from back then. It was actually just probably got lumped into the uh, Saturn collection for the best DVD Blu-ray collection in 2017 as part of the Wolfman Complete Legacy Collection. Uh, and that was given out by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films in the USA in 2017. A little bit of the technical details of this movie. Its runtime, like I said, was only about 61 minutes, so it's a quick watch. Um, not that you would probably ever care to watch it again after watching it once. Uh, sound mix uh, mono was Western Electric Recording. Color info, it was, of course, a black and white movie. The aspect ratio was 137 to 1. Negative format was uh, 35 millimeter. The process, it, process is spherical. And the printed format, of course, is 35 millimeter. Um, so I should make my dad, uh, do all these international release details and giving the names of all the titles of this movie in their respective languages, <laughs> but I won't put him to that because we would have, uh, the Mexico, Sweden, Portugal, Finland, and Germany, like the Wurfenven von London, stuff like that. So we won't, we won't put him to that, at least on this one. Uh, there was actually only one filming location. It was actually at the Universal Studios, the 100 Universal City Plaza in Universal Cal uh, City, California, USA. And the filming started December 10, 1945. So, Art, let's go ahead and start talking about this movie. We'll start at the beginning. Well, right off the bat, before you even get into the movie, you have to do some reading. <laughs> and what did it say? It tells about the... Uh, Should I go back so you can... <laughs> tells about the LMB curse, which we've been discussing that a little bit on... Off the air? Mm -hmm, off the air. What actually the LMB curse was. <clears throat> so the LMB uh, curse, if we can... I'll pull up... We'll pull up what this says at the beginning of the movie, so that way um, we don't butcher it. Um, but it's going to start off in, in, in Scotland Yard. Um, so London at the turn of the century, the legend of the Alabine curse was almost forgotten until, until, until I don't remember it at all. So that's how, <laughs> but they're going to start off in Scotland Yard and, um, <laughs> this guy did a great job. I forget his name. It's one of the, uh, inspectors, isn't it? Yes. Latham. I think his name's Latham. So, um, he's asking him about, you know, 
hey, uh, you know, the carriage is waiting for you. And he's like, well, what? He's like, you know, and this Latham, he believes in the Alibi curse. He believes that there is a werewolf running amongst in the park. I forgot what they call it in this movie. So um, this guy doesn't really believe in this nonsense. He's like, I guess, is this the main inspector guy? Yes. And he's like, you can't tell me you believe in all this, you know, nonsense. He's like, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, uh, that, you know, they think that a dog attacked him, but um, they also think that it, they don't think it was just any dog because he was badly slashed. So, right off the gate of this movie, we have a murder. Um, and it, yeah, and, it, and you're led to believe that, oh, here we go again with a, a werewolf uh, attacking somebody. Um, and they're trying to then, and Latham thinks, Hey, we got another problem on our hands. You know, you know, the Alibi curse and all that. So they're on their way to the scene of the crime, if you will. But (laughs) the next thing you see just blows my mind because you see June Lockhart, Phyllis with her boo, beau, um, Mary, Perry. And they, they're going on, they're eventually going to get married, and they decide that they're going to have a horse race. <laughs> and whoever wins this horse race in this park gets to choose when they get married. Barry wants to get married like next week, and um, Phyllis is like, eh, Well, you mean next year? Next year. <laughs> you want to proceed and tell them what happens? He wins the race. But and she's she, like, I let yeah, you win. She her. let I let you win because she's wanting to get married. <clears throat> and then uh, they hear these the detectives are coming to the scene of the crime and they're walking through all these woods and stuff. And uh, they overhear them talking to, uh, about the uh, a werewolf attack. And he said, "Don't start that there." And they overhear this, which it. Uh, upsets Phyllis in this movie and she's shaken by it and so um, they they proceed to leave and they go back to their house when they get there they they got a, a German Shepherd dog there and she uh, two of them two of them and Whenever she comes close to him, they uh, violently approach her and barking and growling and all these things. Um, but this, uh, the what's her name? The housemaid, Hannah. Hannah is getting ready to go to the store, and uh, Carol. Carol, she gives her a note. She's got a. <laughs> She's got a secret lover herself. Yeah, Dwight, I believe is his to name. To deliver it to the town, and her mother, uh, Martha. Sees her giving her that letter, and she goes down there when she's leaving and tells her to hand her the note over, and, and uh, she sees. And so she goes and hollers back at, at Carol about, you're seeing this guy that you don't, he's not good for you. He doesn't have no money. Yeah, he ain't got no money. And, uh, and you'll find out they don't really have no money. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, yeah, so um, <clears throat> I guess we'll talk about that here right now. Um Eventually, you'll find out that um, what's the mom, Martha, actually married into money, if you will. Um, 
but it wasn't the man she loved. Is that right? Or was it she married and he left or, or he died and then she married into the money? Either way, um, she doesn't really have money. Uh, and neither does Carol, her daughter. But all the money was left to Phyllis and she is the rightful heir. But Phyllis does not know this. So, but they live in this nice mansion. They have the Hannah, the maid, and uh, this she's Martha just seems really uptight the whole movie. Uh, I, I, it's just she's not fun to be around, she's not fun to watch on the screen either. <laughs> she's just one of the people that I was like, eh. So, I think she's gonna have the talk with her. We got it on in the background, she's gonna have the talk with her. You know, she's like, You may think you're in love, but you don't know love. Um, but she's like, you ever thought what happens to us? Uh, she's like, no, of course you haven't. Uh, so she said, well, you ever think what will happen? She said, well, I think things are going the same and that, you know, I'll miss her. And she's like, Carol, it's not that simple. There's a lot more going on that you need to know about. So she's getting ready to go into the past with her right here. So she's getting ready to explain to her what happened a long time ago. And the reason that she hasn't told her all this is that she's only wanted her happiness. <laughs> Give me a break. So uh, the first thing she tells her is that, guess what? You're not Phyllis's cousin uh, and that you're actually not related to her in any single way. And Carol's like, what? I don't understand. You're, you're her aunt. And, and she's like, no, I'm not related either. And so uh, she has been putting on this facade. So she's like, I'm the only woman who might have married uh, Alan B. Uh, and she's like, Phyllis's father? And she's like, yeah. But we come to find out that there's a note that he sent her. Uh, the day before that she married Carol's father, and she tells Carol to read it. So Carol reads this note and says, Moan, darling, I know that nothing I can say will change your mind. I wish you every happiness, even though my heart tells me I shall never quite get over loving you, Reggie. So um, basically, he got he, he didn't marry her. He married the other one. He married Phyllis's mother. And one year later, that's... Martha married her father, which was a penis man, but he was a young man. But when he died, uh, he left her with Carol and no money, so she had to fend for herself. And so that's how she became the housekeeper of the Allenby's London house. So she was actually the housekeeper. She was basically the maid, which is the house they're in right now. And she's like, this house isn't ours. No, guess what? It only belongs to the Allenby estate, which the sole survivor of the Allenby estate is Phyllis. Phyllis. So, um, once again, the dogs are barking. Here comes Phyllis uh, again. Uh, And these German Shepherds, she's like, just go away. Go away. Leave me alone. But they're setting it up to make you think that Phyllis is the she-wolf and that these dogs can smell that on her. And that's why they are barking at her um, because she's on their property. You mean she's not the she-wolf? Well, we'll see. Well, I wish I didn't have to see, but... um, so, as we move along in this, um, basically, um, Phyllis is having problems sleeping. She, she's s- spooked by what uh, she overheard in the uh, horseback thing thank at you, the, right at the, the beginning. Wood. And she decides to hang this lantern out the window on a tree, which, first thing... It's a it's a fire on a tree. Okay, we're not. <laughs> there's so many things wrong with this movie, but uh, it's supposed to keep the, the evil spirits, spirits away right. and all this. And if she really thinks that she's part of this curse because she has the Alibi name, 
then she's going to do everything she can because she's bound to determine that she is the one that killed that man earlier. So here we go again. Um, Martha's like, here, sit down. I'll go get you something to drink, which becomes you'll, you'll a... You'll be noticed and she drinks a lot. Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> Martha always always quick to offer a drink. Uh, so she's like, look, I'll go get you some warm milk or something. And um, basically she tells her to leave the light out there. And uh, Martha, of course, goes downstairs. And I and I will give credit to Hannah, the, uh, the housemaid or whatever. She did a pretty good job. But here we see Carol... Dressed up, she's getting ready to try to sneak out to go see Dwight once again. But lo and behold, she doesn't know that her mother is downstairs <laughs> making a drink for Phyllis. So she's like, where do you think you're going? Oh, you're sneaking out to see that Dwight again, aren't you? Get back to your room. You know, she should have said, no, I'm the she-wolf. I'm going out to <laughs> kill somebody. But I don't think at this point there's only been that one murder. So, um, yeah, so just... <laughs> Ah, Carol, you can't catch a break. You got to be smarter than that. I mean, it's literally right when she went down there. But you got old Hannah eavesdropping once again on all these uh, uh, little conversations going on. But I mean, she's probably the best in the movie. Who, Hannah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She doesn't have many lines. Um, so she takes that uh, thing up there, and then you hear uh, like a, a somebody screaming, and you see this lady uh, that she presumes a lady uh dressed in like her i guess nightgown um coming back through the gates after the constables have went running after to see this and one of the german shepherds jumps over the fence and is following her back into the house so the next morning when phyllis wakes up um but now though you may think at that point is it phyllis or is it not Phyllis? Not, is it Carol? Or is it Martha? Because she may have been gone out to go see her boyfriend. Or is it Phyllis? Because Phyllis wakes up. She has blood on her hands. She has dirt on her shoes. Dew on her robe. And, yeah, and her, her, her robe is wet. So now she is freaking out. And this is something that's crazy because she's supposed to be meeting... Um, well, Don, well, no, uh, Barry. Barry. She's supposed to be meeting him again. And this single episode right here, pretty much for the rest of the movie, she wants to stay bedridden the entire time. Like, I can't, I just can't see. She can't see Barry, can't marry Barry, and tell him I. She can't explain what's going on. So uh, Martha comes in once again. She's like, Look, I killed, I know it was me. Um, I killed. Um, I, well, she she doesn't know there's been another murder yet. Uh, she's like, I did. You know, I did. I, I killed that man the other night. And she's like, no. So they go downstairs and they're getting ready to have breakfast. <laughs> and is it Hannah or is it Carol that has the newspapers? Like, oh look, there's been another murder. Yeah. And this is where Phyllis just loses it and just sobs and goes back up to her room. Um, so. Phyllis doesn't know what's going on, so yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, it was a small boy this time they killed, and they're deer denim lane in the park. So he was torn to pieces by some kind of wild animal. Yeah, Carol's reading the paper right, uh, right. that too. And and I will I will, that let me write that question down too. Um, so <sighs> 
I, I would say something, but we might get canceled if I say something right here. So <laughs> just I'm ready to say it. So once again, you see Hannah has a look of worried, uh, worried look on her face, and here comes old Barry. Mm. Once again, Barry's coming in. This is where she finds out. Look, she can't go with you. She's feeling ill, um, and basically. Um, Carol tells her she's ill, you know, that she's not going to have a visitor. And you see Martha and Phyllis is back in the Phyllis room once again, pouring a drink. Let's give her something to drink. Poor Phyllis, give her something else to help you calm. This will help you go to sleep and calm your nerves, which is something I picked up right away when I was watching this movie. I was like, that's all this lady does is make drinks for this. And it's usually like warm milk to help her sleep. And you'll find that out. And if you, if you see... Phyllis here, she's just laying in... She doesn't look like she wants to go anywhere. Maybe she can't go anywhere, which we'll find out later in the movie um, what's going on there. So um, Now let me ask you this question. How do you know <laughs> what, what she's given her to drink does not... What's affecting her to turn her into a werewolf? Well, because I've seen the rest of the movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll get there. But you don't at this but, point. So, so basically, what is it? A couple days have passed, and... Um, uh, Barry. Barry decides to come, or was it just one day? Uh, it's, it's. We'll just say the next day for right now. So, oh no, two days. It's been two days. He says, and he's like, he sees Hannah hanging laundry, and he's like, "Hey, uh, how's Phyllis doing?" Oh, she's doing much better today. So he's like, "Well, do you mind if I uh, cut through here to go see?" Her? I didn't see nothing, but if you get caught, you know, I'm not telling about you got through. And she's sitting out in the garden. Yep. And here he comes. So, uh, she said, well, how do you get in here? He said, he cut through the garden. He said, I just have to talk to you. And uh, he said, I've been trying to see you for two days. And it's uh, They're supposed to get married the next yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, man, there ain't no way to treat her. We're going to get married in a week. And she just said that uh, she's just being upset. She can't talk to him. Can't Don't marry him can't, ever. Can't marry him. So she goes running into the house, and here comes Martha. Uh, she's going to intercede here. Have, have you? Here's something else. Did you ever notice? Like Phyllis is always wearing white, and the mom's always wearing like black, the dark clothing. Well, I, I assume it's black. It's black and white movie, but very interesting. It could be red. <laughs> it could be, but it's dark. Well, it's the same principle, probably with that of in old westerns, the white hat, black hat thing. Yeah. So, Barry's really concerned. He's like, I don't know what's come over. Just like two days ago, she wanted to marry me, and she couldn't wait. She let me win this race. And uh, Martha's like, well, it's just a case of nerves, you know. Give her a few days. She'll be a totally different person. (laughs) Uh, And she's like, well, you better go now. Let her rest. So, here we are once again. Barry's leaving once again. And I believe this is where he runs into uh, Carol, and he says, Carol, he's like, you know, I don't know what's going on with Phyllis. I said, she won't talk to me. And he's like, do you mind going for a ride so we can talk? And she's like, sure. So she gets in the carriage, and if you, up in the window, you see old Phyllis, Phyllis looking out. Looking so out. now she's just a straw. Now Carol's moving in on my man. <sighs> well, she already told him I can't marry you. I don't right. want to see you. <laughs> so he's like, oh, well, he moved on pretty quick. I'll just go with the, the other one. So... Barry's really, he's just really concerned for Phyllis. He wants to find out what's going on. You know, is there anything I can do? Phyllis, of course, crushed, heartbroken, (laughs) (laughs) overdramatic. Once again, we have dogs barking. um, And uh, I believe once again, 
this is where um, what's his name? Um, is it Latham? Latham. Is that Latham, or is it the the head inspector? Where he got? Uh, no, that's the other guy. No, that's Latham. Yeah, that's the the, the chubby one. Oh, oh, somebody's alarm was going off. So yeah, he's like, look, I'm I'm with Scotland Yard. I'm with the Criminal Investigation <laughs> Bureau, and he comes in to see Hannah, and uh, this is where uh, he tells him, look, you know, uh, he's like, I want you to give me the information. And he's like, how many people live in this house? And she's like, well, there's Mrs. Winthrop, or there's four: Mrs. Winthrop, her daughter, her niece, and me. And he's like, what? There's no man in the house. And he's like, no, no man. And he's like. But you have dogs? He's like, yeah, we got two dogs. And Anna's like, oh, they're vicious beats every night. They, they keep me awake and they're barking. He's like, do me a, be a great favor. He just took them away from me so I wouldn't have to see them anymore. Here comes Martha walking right up here. <laughs> She's always in the right yeah, spot. always. And uh, I, I could just imagine what Hannah's feeling right now. And she's like, that's it, Hannah. That'll be all. So Martha's a step ahead of the game here. She's like, hey. I'm sure you hear about the dogs, about what's happening in the park. And uh, he's like, no, we know we didn't. We just thought that you might want to keep them for your protection. You know, um, that you can't blame them with no men about the house that they got dogs. Uh, so she's like, they're locked in the garden most of the time, especially at night. Um, and he's like, hey, have you seen any suspicious characters about the place? And she's like, no, I haven't. But tell me, uh, have the police have a clue as to who murdered the people in the parking lot? He's like, not exactly the clues you might say, but they've narrowed it down to where they think they are coming from. That it's coming, uh, the animal is somebody from this neighborhood and or person. And she's like, a person? And he's like, yeah. She's like, my own theory, Mrs. Winter, is that it's aware? And then he stops short <laughs> that a madman or woman is responsible. And that's why I'm checking. He's checking all the houses in the neighborhood, which... I think this scene right here is very telling because I think Martha's fishing for information. She wants to know uh, what, what, they, what know. they know, which is very common. And if you listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, a lot of the criminals want to know and check up on the news to see if they're famous, like the BTK killer and stuff like that. You know, they just can't stay out of the spotlight long enough. They want to know what the police knows. So once again, here's old Phyllis <clears throat> and she, She's got to get her robe on, and she's going over to the window, and um, is this where she decides that she's going to stay up all night? She it tells her may. to bring her some coffee, that she can't bear to hurt anybody else, that she's she's going to stay up all night. She's lighting up all the, uh, she puts the lantern out there again, or no, she thinks about it, then she doesn't do it, but she lights the lights in the, in the house, or in her room. She, but if you, I think it, it's she, she goes and she looks in this full length mirror and she starts putting her hands to her face. And so, if you're watching, you may think, is she going to transform into something? Yeah, but uh, she just she just looking and, and make sure. But and she's all this scared, area. she doesn't know yeah, what's going on. She's scared because she thinks she is the werewolf. Oh, you mean she's not? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. We'll find bum, out. Bum, bum. Uh, so there's a knock on the door, and yes. Your favorite mm. and mine. Ta-da! Just kidding. It's Carol. <laughs> uh, she comes in and she says, hey, look, you know, uh, me and Barry went for a, a, a carriage ride today. And all he wanted to do was talk about you. So she's stuffing, like, cotton into her ears so she doesn't have to hear the dogs barking outside. And she says, look, you know, don't just shut yourself off from everybody in the whole world. She's like, you know, 
Um, you can tell me anything. Right. Um, you know, I got broad shoulders. <laughs> but but see, this is this is where I have a problem with Carol, too. Because your mother just told you the biggest secret in this whole household. And you don't want to share any information either. So I fought you, Carol, too. Because you're just as dumb as the rest of the people in the house. So um, she doesn't want to end up telling her. That she thinks she's responsible for killing everybody. She can't tell her. Of course, she says that Barry's got broad shoulders, too. Because she's been out on a carriage ride with him. <laughs> right. But Carol's like, look, you know, it's, it's bad to keep things from you. And um, and there's some things I can't tell you. And I'd rather just be left alone. And she's like, forget I said anything. I won't ever mention it again. But she's being pretty nasty. And then she asks for forgiveness, of course. And she's like, look, there's nothing to forgive. We're still happy. But if you ever want to talk, hey, I'm your girl. We'll we'll talk. (laughs) Barry has a nice set of shoulders, too. Carol just, you know, to me, that was kind of a jab at her, you know. Uh, But yet, Carol's leaving. And here comes, once again, with, uh, looks like afternoon tea or coffee or whatever. Martha comes just in time. And then she's like, what did Carol want? Right away. It's a bedtime drink. Yeah. Um, but uh, she told her she lied. She says she just, you know, dropped in to say goodnight. Said, you know, I saw him writing with Barry, or saw her writing with Barry. And she's like, yeah. But she did bring her coffee. Um, and she says, although I think you're making a mistake that you won't sleep a wink. And she's like, that's the point. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I can't harm anybody else. Um, which is very interesting because I'm not leaving this house tonight, she says. And um, Martha's like, look, rest will do more than anything, you know, for you. It'd be good. And as Martha leaves, this is where Phyllis locks the door behind her. Right. Which is a very interesting point. So she she goes over there. She locks the door and she starts drinking and, and she's not going to go to sleep. We've we, She's said this several times. I'm not going to sleep. I have coffee. I have lights. I have everything I need. <laughs> but guess what? The dogs are barking once again, which is very... Do those dogs just bark all the time? Pretty much. Because, I mean, all the main players that you've seen are in the house at the moment. Besides Barry, but I don't think he's a she-wolf. So she stuffs the cotton in her ears. And the next thing you see... Here he comes. The Latham. <laughs> they go back to like, I don't know what you call it. The was park. It? They're, they're, public park. The, yeah. And they have like the whole entire Scotland Yard here. Um, so Inspectors Pierce, they said they want the, the, the park patrolled in pairs. They said anybody that is out here better have good reason to be out here. And if not, arrest, arrest them. them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we've had these murders like two or three nights in a row. Uh, we're not we're not dealing with this much longer. So they're always like, yeah, well, there's some stray dogs walking around the park. You know? But uh, the, 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 everybody's keen on um, st- catching whoever's doing these murders. So... <laughs> This, this guy, man, I like Latham. I think he's pretty cool. Because um, he kind of reminds me of myself, kind of fat, you know. Just pretty good guy, <laughs> I would say. So, once again, here we see this 
figure walking through with a white robe, and the dogs are barking. She's got the hood up over her head, right? Which that should have gave you a clue right there that the dogs are barking at this one. And the dogs turn around, and and then they go jumping over the fence. So we got to remember that the only person the dogs have barked at so far has been Phyllis. Phyllis. They were barking at this person, but then they stopped and jumped and followed. So, you know, Latham's out there walking around, talking to the constables. Hey, have you seen anything? Any howlings? Any dogs? And he's like, no, you know. He's like, I have a theory that once the park is cleared of dogs, the attacks are going to stop. Stop. (laughs) This might be the dumbest universal... We'll get there. But, uh... That's just so stupid. Uh, you know, you try to do a, a Universal Monster because I'm a big Universal Monster movie guy. And this is just one that just drives me bonkers everything about it. So Latham's walking around and uh, here you see um, a figure, the lady figure in the in the woods. And she starts running. And Latham can thought he's seen somebody and he's trying to say catch up to him. And... Uh, I think this is where he stumbles upon, is it the guy sitting at the park bench, or does he run into Barry here? It's one of the two. Runs into Barry, I believe. What he... Oh, there's a, <clears throat> she, she was right behind him the entire time, looked and turns the other way. You still can't, you can you start starting to see a little bit more facial features, but you can't tell who it is yet. But the, the set here is pretty good with the fog rolling in, and with her walking through the fog right behind him, you think she's about to attack him. And uh, this is where... Uh, <laughs> she's right right, right there uh-huh. I mean literally right behind him and um, so this whole part of the movie I thought that uh, she does attack him I didn't think she attacked him He don't get, she don't kill him but I didn't think she attacked him here but maybe I was wrong so uh, she takes off and uh, <laughs> well I don't understand why they didn't attack him so he's he's got his throat slashed uh, and he's yelling for the constables, and he falls out, and um, it's like she's done me in. Uh, and he's like, she's sure. He's like, yeah, the wolf woman. So he's uh, firsthand sighting that the wolf woman has attacked once again. And they're like, man, we got to get this guy to the hospital. And it's like, too late, he's dead. So my my favorite just died in the park with surrounded by constables on patrol two by two which brings me to my other question is why is Latham out there alone they were supposed to be two by two two by two nah now next morning once again good old Aunt Martha just walks in the door remember the last time the door was locked last night she locked my aunt and she comes in she turns off all the light lanterns that poor old Phyllis has had in the room and Phyllis knocked out cold on the bed once again. Yeah, she, she opens over. up the blinds and brings the daylight in. Oh, and automatically. Ah, <laughs> oh, sunshine. <laughs> and she jumps up. She's like, how did you get in here? You know, the door was locked. She's like, no, it, I just came walked right in. And she's like, it wasn't locked, Phyllis. So this sets Phyllis off on a tangent because she looks down. And once again, we have... What is that? Like a garden? A little garden tool like, that, that like looks like a claw. Right. Uh, like you could you, claw somebody's 
Yeah. Which, another clue right there. Why are you going to have one of those in your room? Um, if it's a real she-wolf, she'll have her own claws. And look. And her slippers are dirty again. Once again. And uh, so there's a knock on the door. Um, and lo and behold, who is it? I believe this is Carol, isn't it? Yep. So Carol's coming in the door and... She's already, for being so early in the morning, she's already got her equestrian gear on, getting ready to go <laughs> horseback riding with Barry, Barry. I guess. And, uh, look, she suggested that I go riding with Barry. You know what happened last time Phyllis went riding with Barry? They were planning a wedding. So does this mean that? And she's like, look, she's like, you, sh- you should come with us. And I was like, oh, I just couldn't. So, Phyllis, get over yourself. Get up. And, like, you know, there's not going to be much consolation for Barry. You know, was there anything you would like me to tell him any messages? And she's like, no, no message. So <laughs> this is where she said, have you heard the news? What news? There's a, <laughs> there's a Scotland Yard man was murdered in the park last night by a mad woman who's made a noise like an animal. So the morning paper is full of it. And once again, look at Phyllis. She's like, I murdered him. And she's like, hush, child, you did no such thing. Which might be the only truth that Martha's ever told in this whole movie. She's like, I'm going to go to the doctor. She's like, you won't do anything about it. She's like, if you told the doctor, they're going to think you're crazy. They're going to lock you up and commit you to an asylum. Uh, and you don't want that, do you? And she's like, no, no. And uh, so here goes Barry and uh, what's her name? Carol. Carol. I'm like, oh, look, that must be the place where the Scotland Yard guy was murdered. And uh, I don't know. This, take it over. I can't do much more of this. This is... <laughs> well, they talk They talk about this. Uh, they're riding on the horses and all that there. They're going to the, to, the, to the scene of the crime. And then they ride off into the sunset. <laughs> Now Barry comes back to the house. Yeah, and because she tells she her. She tells him, be a man. Don't let her tell you, you know, you no. can't see her. So he goes in there. Oh, there and it is. Martha comes and she tells him, uh, won't you come in? So he comes in and uh, I believe what happens here is he, he wants to see uh, Phyllis again. No, let's see. Uh, she thinks she's here to see Carol. And she's like. Carol's in the garden. He's like, I'm not here to see Carol. Yeah. Goes, well, she won't see you. He's like... He says, well, it, it, anyhow, he decides he's going to go on up there anyhow. She tries to stop him. He asks him, well, why can't I up there? And he said, she's going to be my wife in another week or a few days at this point. So he goes on up the stairs, and uh, he takes her out for her buggy ride. She finally talks <laughs> her into going out. And so they're sitting in the in the buggy riding along. <laughs> and he tells her, hey, this is better than being in a bed. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's... She kind of comes around a little bit. Yeah, she she starts loosening up a little bit more toward Barry, and uh, they're they're talking about uh, you know getting ready about their wedding. That she seems to be doing better since she got out, and got some fresh air, things like that. Um, he said it does you good just to get away from the house, and um, and she does seem to do a little bit better. And she said uh, that Martha, Aunt Martha, was just working on her behalf, protecting her. Um, because she hasn't been feeling well. And so uh, he tells him, uh, he said, I want you to tell me what it is. If it's anything so serious that you can't tell me, we're going to be married after all. And so she's going to let us, we can't be married, Barry, ever. 
and because uh, she, I can't like tell blind. you why. Yeah, like, I can't tell you why. <laughs> it's just that it wouldn't be good. And he says, I think I understand. And he's going to go in here and says, uh, it's about this Allen B. Curse thing. And she said, well, how do you know? He said, well, Carol mentioned it, that you've been frightened. And I just added up the facts of all this here. And that's why you've been upset about this curse. He said, you got to talk about this. You can't uh, let yourself go to pieces like this. Um, and, uh, your, your whole family's going to be crushed by this history of theory of werewolves and things. And he said... Uh, that uh, her her parents were killed supposedly by these werewolves, I believe, and uh, she has these dreams when she was lived as she was a, a child, and she took part in some pagan pagan rituals, and uh, and turned in, and was even hunted with the wolves, and those dreams he tells her them dreams are easily explained um, when you were a child. Certainly, you don't believe in werewolves, do you? And she telling him, well, many people did. Latham did, <laughs> but he's dead. Yeah, um, there's like the Herpiney tribes that worship the werewolves. Yeah. You know, and even in Scotland on nights when the dogs howl, the people hang out, light lanterns, sword off evil spirits, which we see she's already done that too. But she thinks he's poking fun at her right now, and right. it's getting her upset again. And he goes on to talk about some more philosophers like Plato and stuff. Um, but then he does quote, I do believe, a Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. Um, and he goes on, Thou almost marks me waver in my faith to hold opinion with Pythagoras. That souls of animals infuse themselves into the trunks of men. They courish, or the courish spirit, governed by a wolf who hanged for human slaughter. Even from the gallows did his fell soul fleet, and whilst thou layest in thy unhallowed, I couldn't read that, infused itself in thee, for thy desires are wolfish, bloody, starved, and ravenous. Barry, stop! She just breaks she down just breaks and has down a crying. And by this point, if I'm Barry, I'm just slapping her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just, you know. He goes and runs off with Carol. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, I can go have another horse race with Carol, um, but. I got to hand it to Barry. He's just a very consolable person. Uh, he put up with way more than I would have. Um, so here we are again, once again. Um, oh, this is where they're saying about being, if they're in the park, you They're passing out guns in this and here. They, uh, but they didn't. And yeah, and then he's like, look, and if they don't stop when you say stop, you give them one, then you're going to shoot. Boy, that wouldn't go over today in these lands. But uh, so everybody go to your post. So he's like, okay. So the inspector's mad. He's lost Latham, which was the coolest guy in this movie. So um, here we go. This, once again, here we see the figure coming out. Another figure in a robe once again. And they always come through the same little garden. They go out the gate. They shut the gate. And... Uh, this time, though, Barry is watching. is watching, and he starts tracking the the figure. But did you notice this time, no dogs jumped over the, the gate either. So that's a very interesting point there again, too. So right now, you don't know if this is the same person, a different person, um, a whole new person, the She-Wolf. So... This figure's walking through the foggy park once again, and Barry, of course, is hot on her trail. Um, 
but I think he ends up losing sight of her, doesn't he? Yeah, he goes the other way because she cut through like the, the uh, trees or whatever. And once again, she's just wandering around, and it's, I don't know, it's almost like a, the way she's walking is kind of weird. It's not like, I guess, it's it's different than before. And um, he sees the figure, and Barry runs through the bushes, and um, he's bound to determine to catch this thing because he's, it's making his life miserable, and he can't uh, get along with Phyllis until he knows the truth of what's happening. So... He's lost sight of him once again, even though he just had him in his sights. And then you got inspectors, of course, walking, and they run into Barry, and they say, "Hey, what are you doing here?" Said, so, "Look, I'm doing a little private investigating." And, you know, and they're like planning to capture the she wolf, I presume, single-handedly. And he's like, "Yeah, something like that." So <laughs> he's like, "Well, can you give me your name?" He's like, "Yeah, my name is Barry Landfield. I think his occupation." He's like, "I'm a bar- barista with partnership with my father." They're like. Sydney Landfield well yeah they're like you got any credentials to prove it and he's like certainly so this guy must be famous you know what I mean so um, and then we see this one guy it's just sitting on a park bench smoking a cigarette and uh, <laughs> or a pipe sorry and uh, you see uh, I believe it's coming up behind him this figure which once again you never see the face and <laughs> will she he be killed by the she-wolf? Right. She's sneaking up on him. Ladies and gentlemen, we have, she's tiptoeing. She's looking. He's still trying to light his pipe. That's the longest pipe light I've ever seen. And then you hear uh, some growling and some snarling in the manual. Help, help. You know, help me. Someone help me. And they don't, I don't believe she kills this one. And then you just, this is so stupid. She's right there behind him. Right behind All him. seven of these officers did not see him. And he like, look, you know, she howled and they grabbed me by my throat. And, and he's like, there. And he points and she's running. Now she's running. And they're all like after her. So they all take off after her. And he's like, did you go look at the face? And of course not. It was too busy protecting his own throat to see who the face of this. Now, now lo and behold, walks out of the woods with the face revealed, is Carol. Carol. And she's dressed almost exactly the same as uh, the guy, uh, the person that attacked, who comes out, to f- you find out, is Dwight, which is the lowlife that Carol sneaks out and meets uh, all the time. And uh, so... <laughs> So now, but as stupid as they are, she could have run around and transformed back to Carol and come back. <laughs> this is true. For all they know. So they're like, "Hey, let's go to um, headquarters and we can get acquainted with the inspector." And uh, he's like, "We got a few questions." So they're taking Barry and and uh, or sorry, Dwight and Carol back to the headquarters. And here we go once again. The she wolf is in a new attack. So once again. The newspapers are reporting that the attack, uh, once again, and Carol was reading in the newspaper, and the lo and behold, the knock on the door, and it is Barry. So, good evening. Can I come in? He's like, I'll run upstairs and see if Phyllis is. So he's like, look, uh, I want to ask you some questions first. I don't want to. Well, I'm not here to see Phyllis. So, um, <laughs> they go to the library in the house and want to talk. And 
this is so cringeworthy. Um, so he's like, look, I need you to think about something, you know. And basically she's like, am I here for a cross-examination? And he's like, uh, did you know that I saw I saw you leave last night and I followed you to park? She's like, I do that every time and I go meet Dwight. And he, she's like, yeah, he's like, that's how I have to discover that you're the she-wolf. And she says, Barry, you got to be joking. And he's like, no, I'm very quite serious. And she's like, Barry, you can't possibly be serious. He's like, but I am. She's like, you may not recall everything you did. And it's insane people seldom do when under distress. She's like, I'm perfectly insane. And I was under no stress. Uh, you know, I've only one reason. I went to go meet Dwight Severin. And she's like, I, I've been meeting him on an average of three nights a week. And this is where the old mother walks in and uh, overhears him saying. And uh, she's like, "Do I? can I ask you a question? She's like, go ahead. And he's like, how did you happen to see me when I left the house last night? She's, he's like, I was worried about Phil. So basically, I was snooping. <laughs> you know, I signed him on your house all night long. <laughs> Uh, so something she said when they were writing that, she said that she might be the wolf. And she, he said, I did. I suspected it could be Phyllis until I saw you still out of the house. He's like, now, I really don't know what to think anymore. So he had his, he had his suspicions that it could have been Phyllis. Then he thought it was Carol. And uh, basically, uh, I think uh, Martha asked if he'd like a drink. She's like, I'll go make it now. He's like, nah. He's like, I'm leaving. He's like, uh, he said, she's been, Phyllis has been terribly upset. You know, I don't know what it is. And uh, I said, well, maybe she'll feel better in the morning. I'll, I'll stop by and see her then. And uh, <sighs> this is so terrible. So uh, basically, Martha's like, look, you've been sneaking around seeing this idiot I told you, you know, three times a week, you know. And she's like, that's right. I'm going to continue seeing him, and you're not going to stop me, basically. And it's like, don't lecture me why I should marry Barry when him and Phyllis are going to be very uh, happily married. If it will stop making you having a, a, a constant topic of conversation, she said, Barry will never marry Phyllis. She's insane. So here we, here we see old... Phyllis, who's really diving into the role in bed, she's reading about lycanthropy. She's reading about werewolves in her bed. <laughs> so she's taking this poor thing to heart. She really thinks that she is the she-wolf of London. So, And the dogs are barking again. again they're always barking. Mm -hmm. um, so she's just... I don't know. Well, here we, we're coming to the, the point that... Uh, She's going to kill her, ain't it? She makes her... Uh, well, who? Whoa. Who's doing what? She has that package. I forgot what's in that package. Do you remember? Is it something for Barry? She takes <sighs> it over to Carol, but I don't remember what it is. So, anyway, um, she's finally said, Carol, can I talk to you? You know, I, I'd like to talk to you. So, finally, she's breaking down and wants to talk to Carol. So, um, I still don't know if I ever said what was in that package she took. Did, did I don't I don't remember. I don't either. I don't think so. So, <laughs> since it, I see you're gonna be so bold as to sneak out and uh, meet your starving artist. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm going to the police. She said, Phyllis just told me the whole story. So Phyllis has broke down and told her about everything where uh, she thinks she's the werewolf and. Um, the uh, Martha's like, look, you know, I, now you know I was telling you the truth. And there's good old Hannah who thinks, listening once again, that's why she said, I'm going to the police. 
And she's like, if we go to the police, Phyllis will be in Salem. We'll lose everything we have. She's like, I'm calling them at her request, mother, not mine. So she's going to go call. They call call. But it's actually getting and walking out and going to get the police, which I don't know if they did have phones back then. I would have sent Hannah. I would have trusted Hannah to go do it. Uh, And once again, here goes Carol leaving. And there's good old Barry following uh, once again. So, and then you got somebody trailing Barry. The inspectors, uh, no, not Barry yet. He sees the lady walking. Then he sees Barry, and then he sees he's gonna follow Barry. So now we have this big old trail of people that uh, are following. So basically, she's going to go try to find the person that's trailing her to behind. So here we come to the epic. Probably the last five minutes of the movie. Martha is carrying up none other than a glass of warm milk. And Hannah, good old trusty handmade Hannah, she sees her going up the stairs. And she's started to put two together. She knows what's happening now, even though we don't. So the door opens. Here comes old Martha. And she's like, you know, I hear I made you something to drink. Um, you know, how you feeling, pretty much. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, she's like, I don't think I want any Aunt Martha. And she's like, you must drink it. It'll quiet your nerves. You'll want to be completely at ease when you tell your story to the police. So, And she's like, you know about Carol calling the police? And she's like, certainly, my dear. And I'm glad you decided to bring everything out into the open. Uh, you know, whatever this thing is, it's terrible. And that it's been quite a strain on me, too. I, I guess I would say so. So she's like, here, drink up, Phyllis. Please, we'll have, ask you hundreds of questions. So here goes old... <laughs> Phyllis drinking Drink the milk. milk and she doesn't finish it yet she puts it down and she says do you think they're going to come take me away tonight to the lunatic asylum and she's like no probably not and she's like you may not even have to go to an asylum you know maybe we can raise to have you take care of at a private institution until you're cured of whatever Ellen you know she's like drink more milk Phil. drink drink <laughs> So, of course, Phyllis obliges and she drinks more. Um, and Hannah <laughs> might be the best p- person in this film. Uh, it goes to the door. He's dropping through yeah. the door. And she's like, do you think I can be cured? And she's like, of course you can. She's like, they can do wonders through medicine today. You know, uh, the doctors can do things with the human mind. And she's like, go ahead, dear. Finish. 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 <laughs> drink. Get all and I'm like, man, just leave me alone. And uh, so she finally finishes off the glass and she's. <laughs> Blurred vision I mean, starts right she's away. She's getting lost in space here. That's kind of what it looks like. And uh, she asked her, I think, how, how you're feeling. And she's like, well, you know. And they do some really good cinematography here where her vision's blurry and you're seeing it. And like, looks like a water running brook to me in the background. And she's like, I feel very sleepy. And, you know, as if I've been drugged well you're right ding 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 i drugged you so you so you uh you wouldn't hear the dogs and she's like no fellas i'm going to kill you and hannah the good old hannah she's like you're gonna kill me and she's like yes which she's obviously having a conversation after she's just been drugged so i don't know how this is gonna work so She's like, you know, if the police came while you were still alive, they would investigate the strange stories you would tell them, and they would call in a doctor, and they would find that you're perfectly normal. You're sane. So uh, I'm going to have to kill you, basically. And she's like, why? Why? 
She's like, because I planned all this to get you out of the way. And uh, when, you know, that she still believed, when she discovered that she still believed in the Albie's curse, it's the perfectly good explanation is to drive you insane. So guess what? When you out of the way, basically me and Carol will become the sole owners of this place and they can stay in the house that they love forever um, that she's managed over so many of the years. And then for Carol, you know, it would mean she could also carry him in, not beneath her station, basically another knock on Dwight and, you know, maybe a man like Barry Landfill. Mm. So she said, I began by killing the little boy in the park and led you believe that you did it. Um, which ma- makes makes me ask a question real quick. Um, so she said that she killed the little boy in the in the in the in the, in the, in the uh, yard Part. first. There was a death before that, right? Right, right. Which wasn't her, or was it? But she, but she just said I killed. We're, her. Look, you're at the last five minutes of the movie, and they couldn't go back to all of the details. And then, she, <laughs> well, then she says I killed that man from Scotland Yard because he was getting too close to the truth. So there's that one, and um, and you know she's like, my plan it would have succeeded, Phyllis. And she produces this knife from under her robe. I guess it looks like probably about a what, twelve inches, eight inches. <laughs> So when the police come, you know, I shall tell them of your strange actions lately and Barry and Carol will bear me out and uh, they will call it suicide, my dear. So, um, though, because she was, they're afraid you were going to be, uh, you know, insane. You were going to be insane. So you said, take your own life. So Hannah opens the door and then accidentally and you hear Hannah mm. and she's like I heard you I heard everything I know what you've been doing all along and she's like I, I wonder what that drug uh, disappeared that I've been hiding in my club or <laughs> so she's, oh, she's been drugging it with her drugs does that make her an accomplice to murder so Hannah takes off running and this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in the entire world okay can I just say this is probably the worst ending of any movie I've ever seen and I've seen a lot of movies it makes no sense so Hannah's running down the stairs Martha's running behind her down the stairs. She trips. And somehow she trips and impels herself with this knife as she falls down the stairs. Well, she's rolling down the steps. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Hannah gets to the door. She goes to the door. She looks back and there's Martha on the floor as she tries to look up with the knife firmly planted in her gut. And she does the uh, falls down. And as she goes up the door, here comes the inspector. The Calvary's here. Yeah, here they all came. And uh, this is where Carol's like, Mother, she's like, she's a murderer. She is the she-wolf herself. So obviously Hannah is going to go through everything and tell him everything. And he's like, Phyllis, are you all right? Barry runs upstairs to check on her. And she's like, it's Barry, darling. Barry. And she's still drugged. (laughs) She's going to kill me. And... (laughs) He's like, she's, she's, no, dear, she's not killing anybody else ever again, pretty much. So, um, Phyllis looks at him, kind of gives a smile, even though she's half drugged. And yes, I hate to say it, but the end. The end. One of the worst endings in a Universal Monster. Even though a lot of them end abruptly, at least it's climatic. Not, oh, <laughs> listen, I tripped downstairs and stabbed myself. So let me let, before we get to our reviews, let me go ahead and give a little bit of trivia. There's not a lot, so <laughs> this was filmed uh, filming complete on Christmas Eve in 1945. 
Uh, the film was shot between December 8th uh, uh, to 21st, 1945, but retakes required several members of the cast, including June Lockhart and Don Porter, to work through Christmas Eve. This was released on May 17, 1946, as part of a double bill with The Cat Creeps. Universal Pictures, unlike most major studios, lacked a proprietary theater chain and often sold its B-picture horror mystery pictures as double bills, making weak pictures more attractive and economical for independent theaters to advertise. So when you were young, did you ever go see any double features at the theater like that? When I was young, all the movies we went to were double features. Give us a couple of double features that you saw together. Do you remember? I can't tell you the name of the movies right now, but I know one thing. They, every once in, a while, once in a while, they'd have a double feature Elvis Presley show, and they'd be lined up around the corner to get into the theaters. <laughs> um, this was largely shot on Universal's old Hacienda set, uh, used on many of the Studio B Westerns. Uh, Lloyd Corrigan replaced Forrester Harvey, who died prior to any of his scenes were shot. This was also Martin Koslick's final role at Universal. This is part of the original Shock Theater package of 52 Universal titles released to television in 1957, following a year later with Son of Shock, which added 20 more. And if you look closely, uh, keen observers might spot former Laurel and Hardy foil James Finless- Finlayson. Um, he has a bit uh, part as a London Bobby in this movie. Uh, Joan Wells was cast in the role of June Lockhart's character. Body or Bobby? Oh. Good grief. Uh, Joan Wells was cast in the role of June Lockhart's character as a child because of her close resemblance to Lockhart, especially the shape of her nose so closely resembling Lockhart. And there's a spoiler. There is no werewolf in this movie. So, Dad, I'll let you go first. Give me your, if you have any questions, thoughts, and what you're going to rate it out of 10. Let's hear it. Well, again, it's it, the, the whole thing is it ain't there's no like he said there's no werewolf, she wolf of London, and if you want to go see a werewolf movie, you would think there's more of a werewolf in it. Now, going back to your original about should this be classified as a Universal monster movie? Of course, Universal done that. Uh, again, you're. This movie here is not on the same tier of the original Frankenstein, Wolfman, Mommy, Dracula, things like that. It's probably two tiers down of... Because there's more uh, Universal monster movies that uh, are that might be on a second tier, not this third tier like this. This is pretty much the bottom of the barrel so far that we've covered. Uh, again... It's not a monster movie. It's more of a whodunit movie. Uh, Wouldn't you say? Well, technically, would you consider Martha in this movie a monster? She's a monster, but not a werewolf. Right. But see, if I... But then she would be considered a a universal monster. When you go to see any of these universal monsters, uh, and a lot of them... uh, well, it don't have to be universal. Go back to the old time. A lot of time, it'd be a monster movie, and you wouldn't see the monster till the last ten minutes of the show. And so you're sitting here if you're younger and went to see this here. At, at uh, you're wanting to see a werewolf, and it never happens. What a disappointment! Mm-hmm. Demand your money back. 
Uh, but I think that uh, if you was to watch this again, <laughs> maybe you'll you'll appreciate it more. <laughs> Kidding. It's uh, it's not a very good movie. It don't uh, deserve to even be in a Universal collection, especially with the classic uh, Universal monsters. So, on a scale of one to ten, I would give it a. Four. And that's going high. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I think Universal knew what they were doing when they put this movie out there and titled it She Wolf of London. They were playing off of the Werewolf of London and the success it had on that. And the only reason they did that and they titled it She Wolf of London is because they wanted to make more money. Let's be honest. Well, let's go back here with Universal. You come out with the classic Invisible Man... If you follow on down there, you'll find out there's a visible woman, an invisible boy, an invisible dog. We'll, we'll, we'll get to those, but... Well, will we? <laughs> I don't know. After this one, maybe not, but... Is it really an invisible dog? <laughs> I don't know. Was, but, there, was there an invisible man? I don't know. I couldn't see him. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, the invisible man is head and shoulders above this movie. Oh, of course. Yes. Even though he didn't see him on screen, hardly. But back to this movie. There's just... I I think if they would have taken the time to explain the Alibiate curse more than just the brief glimpses you get at the beginning and uh, the little bit, you know, the Merchant of Venice of Shakespeare that Barry recites... It might have made more sense. I was trying to find the connection to Werewolf of London to see if there, the Allenby curse was connected. I remember when we covered that, it was all about that moonflower. And um, I don't remember the Allenby curse being in that. Um, so if I can find the Allenby curse and where this ties into that. Um, well, this don't even fall in the same category as uh, Werewolf of London. Werewolf of London. Well, here's something else that we didn't talk about. You know, you wanted this to be the She-Wolf of London. No full moon that I saw. No moonflower. Um, you brought up the point that is, hey, is it because she's giving her this stuff to drink to turn her into the werewolf? What was it? The milk of the moonflower? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's... It don't explain nothing. The curse. I guess the main problem I have with this is if you wouldn't have called it a universal monster movie, and if you wouldn't have called it the She-Wolf of London... Maybe like the, the something totally different, like the, I don't know, the Killer of London or they, something. They could just call it the Ellen Ellen Ellenby Curse, right? Something like that. But just leave that. Don't even mention about the werewolf, right? Well, per se, but right. So I think it would. I would have rated it higher. Um, now, I did like mm-hmm. the fog in the park. I thought that was really cool. Um, I like that. I like how you never really saw the lady's face. Um, you just seen, and you didn't know which one it was. So all those ones that you saw, was it the lady going out to kill somebody or was it the girl sneaking out to go see Dwight? You still don't know. Um, the only thing I can say to that is the last time when she, she snuck out to go see Dwight, the dogs didn't jump the fence. And when, uh, I'm assuming when Martha went to murder him that the dogs jumped the fence, because if you remember at the very beginning, when you see the dogs, she's like, Oh, I'll go put them in the garden. And they just don't bark at her. They just follow her 
she goes and puts them away. So I'm assuming that that's what you get from the cinematography that when the dogs were jumping the fence and, or jumping back over the fence, that that was her out there killing people. And when they weren't, it was uh, Carol sneaking off to go see. June Lockhart did a fine job. Um, but I think the problem with this movie is there was not enough connecting dots for me to make it enjoyable. You know, was it a good movie? No. Was it a terrible movie? I wouldn't say that either. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say that. It was, was it a terrible ending? A very, (laughs) probably one of the worst I've ever seen. I mean, you trip running down the stairs, but Hannah ran down the stairs just fine. So whatever. I, I think for me, um, I'm going to give this a three out of ten, and that's just for the 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 fog, <laughs> pretty pretty much the fog, um, and and the inspector guy Latham. I think he did a fantastic job because he brought a little bit of comedic element to it, um, even though he was serious about his job, and he's the one that actually believed in the the, the she wolves. And another thing, what. <clears throat> They never explain the the howling or the growling when she was killing people, especially when Dwight said, "Hey, there was growling and there was howling." And you know, we I'm assuming that the slashes they were getting across their face was that rake that they showed. Yeah. And so my my other my other question is, she may have just done growling noises uh, to to. Uh, well, here's here's my other thing. But or could, was it the, the dogs? dogs? Because I wrote this down earlier. That I think it was the small boy when they said that the small boy was killed, that he was ripped into pieces. And in my thinking, I'm thinking, well, if the dog got a hold of him, they probably pulled him apart and left him in pieces. I don't think she was going to do that. That makes sense to me. Because um, you get in, you get out. You know, You won't have a lot of evidence on you. Except maybe the initial slash with the knife or whatever, uh, or the the, the thing. Um, and then my other question is, two number one, how did um, she get the uh, the the wetness of the robe on June Lockhart or put the blood on her hands? Uh, the muddy shoes, she took them outside and stomped around in them. Fine, whatever. Well, she she drugs her, and she probably didn't even know that she got them things. Um, go get the mud on the shoes, the dew on her robe. Do you think she took her outside? No, she could have just had took the robe and done it. And put dressed her back up? Or do you think she just dumped water on her? Well, that could be, too. But I just think the the, 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 the blood on the hands was an interesting point because... That'd be hard to do. Um, and then when uh, she locks herself in the room, how does she get back in the room unless she has a skeleton key? That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I'm it's sure an old she house. another She's key. been in that house forever. She probably knows that there's secret passages, how to get in and out of there or whatever. So for me, this is probably the worst Universal Monster movie that we've covered to date. Um, just not a big fan. And I think it's a shame that you throw this in with uh, the great Wolfman Legacy Collection just to get... Just to say you're part of the Wolfman legacy, it just, it just doesn't seem right. I'm going to give you one credit to the Universal movie here, even in this, is that the uh, the quality of the film was good. It was a crisp picture. 
Because oh, you, yeah. you, you can watch some other, uh, not universal movies, just some old movies, monster movies, and they're all grainy, and and uh, sometimes it's hard to see because of that. They still kept that crispness in their, their film. Uh, again, with the they did do a great job on the special effects with the fog in the... In the yeah, and never showing her face. Right. So that's the the highlight of the show. Right. <laughs> Because it would have been a, a creepy setting of, uh, with that there. Right. So uh, stay tuned because uh, the next time we are in the dungeon, uh, the dark tomb of Artos, we will be talking about the ghost of Frankenstein, which is heads and shoulders above this movie, if you will. Well, he's taller. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, well, uh, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And cut.